This is Andaki Chisme, two sisters, one podcast. We're coming together to archive the stories of undocumented people while decolonizing Chisme. I'm your host, Andaki Chingona, and I am your host, Andaki Therapist. And this is Andaki Chisme. Undocu Chismosis, and welcome to episode 12 of Undocu Chisme. We are super excited for today's episode and to bring you an amazing individual from the Inland Empire. We are super excited because um, our guest today actually reached out to us, which was something new for us. Um, you know, we're hoping that we continue to create the spaces where people feel comfortable reaching out to us and letting us know that they want to share your story. So if you are starting to feel motivated and inspired by all of the stories that we are bringing to you, please slide into our DMs and let us know, hey, like I want to share my story with you. If you do not have social media, you can also send us an email at undocuchisme at gmail.com and we'll be more than happy to bring you on and ensure that we archive your story um, with us today. But yeah, Myra? Yes, I just want to say that I, I know a lot of the times we feel like we don't have a story, either because we haven't achieved our goals or because we didn't pursue higher education in a conventional way. But really, we all have a story to tell. Undocuchisme is not about um, only professionals or those people navigating higher education. It's not only for those that speak English. It's not only for a certain type of immigrants. Really, everybody is welcome. We want to hear from you whether you chose to join the Army, Navy, know, Air Force, whether you went to a technical school, whether you created your, your business uh, without finishing high school, um, whatever it is that you want to share with others, I'm 100% sure that others are going to get inspired um, because they want to see themselves represented. So maybe if this, we want to extend that invitation for you to to just come in and share whatever it is that you want to share and maybe be that voice that you wanted to hear when you were struggling with some, with something or when you were uh, going through a difficult situation just come in come in and you're more than welcome to have this space and share your story and give us some chisme for our audience, <laughs> we love the chisme. Um, but, um, you know, before we get started, um, through this conversation, we talk about community college. So, Myra, would you like to share a little bit about your um, your experience going to community college? Because I know both of us are, you know, products of the community college system. Uh, for me, it's a, it's a love-hate relationship with how those systems work. Um, I know it's a great opportunity for a lot of us to uh, get those two years of education at a either free or at a very low cost. Um, there is this stigma behind going uh, community college or this misconception of going to community college because people feel like it's not good enough because it doesn't compare to a UC or a CSU. Um, or a regular university, quote unquote, regular university, maybe that the quality 
is not up to pair. There's just so many things that people think and say about the quality of, of community college. But really for me, I learned so much and my professors were, um, even though most of them were white, I got to see professors that were from AAPI, uh, black, um, indigenous, and you know, just people of color. And I, I really appreciated that. I really appreciated that they were there for you, that they really wanted to connect you with you, that they really wanted to help you out. Um, at the same time, again, just going back to the system, it's fucked up. It's fucked up that those people in positions of power really um, are not educated. Um, I mean, they're supposed to be educators and they're not educated, which is um, funny, but in a non-laughable way. So for me, when I, when I went to community college, um, it was in 2005, well, 2006, when I wanted to enroll and I wanted to go to Mount Sac. Um, not that I wanted to go, I think it was my only option. And when I went to, to enroll, uh, I went through the whole process and I found out about AB 540, which AB 540, I'm sure you, Maria, is gonna be able to explain it better than I do. Uh, but it's basically a way in which undocumented immigrants that meet certain requirements can get uh, in-state tuition, meaning that instead of paying um, out of pocket, which is so expensive, you get paid resident fees. I mean, you pay resident fees. And so I remember going in there and I took you, Maria, and uh, they gave me this AB 540 form and I needed to check in one of the boxes. But the way it's worded, it's just so confusing. I'm like, I don't know, like I'm a nun, whatever, whatever. And it's like, confusing. So unfortunately, I checked the wrong box. And mind you, uh, that admissions office, or at least when you turned in that paper, was in the middle of a building where there are no walls, no private office, no nothing. So I'm right there in the middle of this building where students just pass by, where there's a lot of staff members with no privacy. And I turn it in, and this person tells me, okay, you're gonna have to pay international fees. And I'm like, what do you mean? He goes, yeah, here you stated, you checked off this box. That means that you're an international student. I'm like, I am not. You know that I live here in California. I'm a California resident. This is where I live. This is, you know, can I get another form? So then I can check off the, the right box. And he said, no. And I just broke down. Like, and every time, every time I think about it, it doesn't matter how many times I tell my story, it's painful because at that moment, my world collapsed because I wanted to continue education. I'm a nerd. Uh, I, I love education. I love learning. I love reading. Uh, my education was something really important to me. And so when they told me you cannot go to school, I mean, they didn't tell me you cannot go to school, but that's what my mind was thinking because there's no freaking way that I could pay as an international student. 
So I cried and I was like, please let me in, like give me this opportunity, give me another chance. Like this is my life. This is everything to me. This is my education. It's so important. Please let me in. Like I'm begging you. And that person had no soul. I'm guessing that the educational system stole his soul. Um, now I can see how that happens. But he was like, no, sorry, there's nothing I can do. I cannot break uh, whatever politics or policies that are in place uh, just to let you in. So I walked away crying. Uh, sometime later, I got a phone call from another person that saw the whole show. And this, uh, this person was like, hey, just to let you know, I saw the form, I, I saw your information, please come back. I'll allow you to, to fill out another form. Don't worry about what this other person said, just come back. Uh, we want you to be a part of the school. Um, I am eternally grateful for that person. I never found out their name, never found out uh, what type of role this person had in this, in this institution, but if it wasn't because of that, I don't think I would have been able to finish or, or I don't know. I think life would have been even more difficult. It did take me 10 years to get my associate degree. So like, uh, that's another thing that there was so much pressure on me and so much shame behind not finishing within the two years that you're supposed to be in community college. But after so long, I'm like, you know what? It, I learned so much. Um, I'm grateful that I had the opportunity to take, to be a part of that institution for so many years, even though I was taking one class at a time, two classes at a time. I'm super happy that, that I was able to do that. Um, I was undecided when I walked in, I'm like, I wanna be a lawyer. And then I was like, what the shit? Like, this is too hard. Um, I don't like history classes. And then I wanted to be a fashion designer. And as I was taking marketing classes, I was like, I just want to design. I just want to create. I want to, you know, yeah. marketing business. Hell no. Um, and then other shit happened in my life. That, that's for another episode. But one of my, my psychology professors uh, really helped me out, really inspired me. And he's the reason, Dr. Anno, he's the reason why I became, I wanted to become a therapist. Um, he changed my life and he helped me. There's something so simple that a lot of people think a meditation exercise, like if I'm meditating, I know how to breathe. Don't give me that bullshit. But it was just that, that 10 minute activity that when I needed it the most, that gave me hope. And I don't think it was activity itself. I think the way he executed it, that really inspired me and really gave me hope and allowed me to continue. So again, if I hadn't taken those 10 years, I don't know how my life would have been like. I don't know if right now it would be something else. I don't know, a lawyer, a fashion designer. I think I'm okay with all of that stuff. Um, but I think right now I'm doing what I want to do. I'm doing what I love to do. I'm very passionate about the things that I'm doing, the people that I'm working with, the people that I'm serving. So yeah, what about you, Maria? Um, I 
you know, um, before I guess I tell a little bit about mine, I think it's important to give, to really name how when you started, all we had was AB 540, right? I feel like the policies, yeah, like policies have changed and the system has changed, but that is something that can, like has continued to affect some students, right? Not the, the not completing the AB 540 correctly and how institutions are seeing that because the people that process those forms, they usually hold the title of residency specialist and they're supposed to hold this unbiased um, mind or process or whatever we want to call it, but they, they're not supposed to kind of quote unquote, help you, right? But with time, those practices have changed. So I do want to make, um, you know, note of that. I mean, then, but let me stop you there. It was 2001 when AB 540 passed. I enrolled in 2006, which is five years after oh, that. Yeah. And people still didn't know shit. Yeah. My counselor still didn't know that I could go to school, that I could mm-hmm. be in situation. Um, it's tw- 2022 and people are still unaware of what AB 540 is or what different um, bills are placed there so that you can succeed as a documented student is like it's not surprising but it's infuriating oh yeah when when DACA was put into place more awareness about these policies to pursue higher education kind of were brought to light but then now you know with all of the changes in DACA and the uncertainty of DACA um, we're going back in time we're going back to you know 2006 like you mentioned and students are being told like oh you don't have DACA you can't go to school Um, so the the lack of awareness is still there so we need to name that and we have to make sure that you know, maybe in the future we can have a, an episode that discusses all of the different policies um, that are in place in California for undocumented people to pursue their dreams when it comes to higher education. Um, but, you know, even my experience, I graduated high school in 2010. I didn't want to go to school. I was like, oh, school who? Like, you know, I was an average student. We don't know her. Um, but I think what really pushed me to go to school is the many times that people said, you're undocumented, you cannot do it. And I was like, I'm gonna prove you all wrong. Just for that, I'm gonna go to school. I was fortunate to have received the two-year scholarship um, to attend Chafee College. And again, we can talk more about how I got that um, in another episode, if people are interested. But the reason why I chose to pursue school was because people told me if you go like again part of it was like the you can't go to school which I was like I'm proving you wrong but the other part was somebody telling me if you pursue higher education you might get your papers and I was like papers we know her we want her let's go (laughs) right um but that didn't happen that was like false advertisement but I'll I take it I'll take it because um thanks to that false hope I am where I am today um, and I'm able to help more undocumented students pursue higher education Um, well for those that really do want it right Um, but I even in you know when DACA was first introduced there was still a lot of misconception with um, 
the residency specialist at the campus that I attended because I had friends who later I was like peer mentoring like I was there you know we were an unofficial peer mentoring system that we had at my mom's house um but I was able to like help other undocumented students get to the community college that I was attending and I had to get in fights with like this residency specialist because they were like, you need DACA. And I was like, according to section so-and-so of AB 540, you do not need DACA. You need this and this. Like I was naming it, right? And I was like, I'm over here like having to read this policy that I don't know what the hell it's telling me, but somehow I'm understanding it in order to prove a point. Um, so that was my experience in community college. But, you know, Later, through getting involved and becoming more of an advocate, um, I was able to like navigate that system and teach others to navigate it. And through those advocacy efforts is that I am where I am today. Um, so I can't really say, oh, a professor inspired me or something. I mean, yeah, one of my um, you know professors inspired me to pursue communication studies because she just gave me the words of affirmation which is my love language and she said you're a natural at public speaking you should pursue communication studies and I was like girl that's all I needed to hear I'm a natural Let's fighter this. <laughs> this is this is what I do I can you yeah. tell me I can do for a living Fuck yeah yeah and that's what she told me and I was like okay let's do this right but uh later on I was like maybe I should consider counseling um that didn't work out another story again for another day um but yeah like I'm really you know grateful that I had the opportunity that I did for community college I also did not finish in two years I did push to finish in two years um by going to all of the three community college campuses that there were uh, but life happens and that's normal. And I think that's something that systems need to take into account, that life happens to students and we cannot ignore that. We cannot dismiss that and we cannot, uh, yeah, like, you know, we have to be mindful of that when we're telling students, you have to finish in two years. It's like, yeah, that's the goal. And we're going to, but also asking ourselves, what are we doing to help you finish in those two years? Yeah, but like, is there is there the same amount of pressure for those that are mm, citizens? Oh yeah, other folks. Oh yes, the, the pressure for the same people. Oh yeah, that is unfortunate. I, and I would think honestly, I would think because I saw a lot of other people that really took their time because it's okay to take their time, and I think it's so nice to really going there and find out what you want to do with your life instead of being pressured into just going there know what you want get to two years go into whatever it is that whatever is next and if you feel like it well then that's too fucking bad you need to pay another whole two mm -hmm. years if you want to or more if you want to change your your career but that's a system thing um you know, the pressure of retention, enrollment, all those, all those conversations that colleges have, which I mean, I don't know what to think about that. I'm still, you know, learning as I go with all this idea of retention and having those conversations, because obviously those numbers are important when it comes to funding, when it comes to resources. And so um, I don't know where I stand, 
I want to say I disagree, but it's also like we need the funding. So, you know, kind of you kind of have sometimes kind of have to dance with the devil. Like um, that sounds so mean that that saying sounds so mean. But in Spanish, that's how you say it. like a veces tienes que bailar con el <laughs> con el chamuco para llegar a donde necesitas llegar. And, um, I don't like I said, I don't know how I feel. I think I need time to like process that, especially being someone that works in higher ed. Mm -hmm. But thank you, uh, Myra, for sharing. And I think with that, uh, we can introduce our guest today. Our guest is Talia Garibay. Talia Garibay um, is arrived to the United States at the age of three from Ensenada, Baja California. She went through the entire education system as an undocumented individual until becoming a DACA recipient in 2012. She earned her master's in college counseling and student development at, at Azusa Pacific University in 2016. She holds an associates in science and associates in arts and liberal arts studies from Pasadena City College and a bachelor's of arts and liberal studies from CSULA. She is currently a college counselor at two community colleges where she assists students in navigating the college system and helping them reach their academic, personal, and career goals. In addition, she is a professor and teaches a student development course providing skills to high school students to become acclimated to the college system for a successful transition. Lastly, she is a career mentor and WIOA program coordinator and career institute, where she helps individuals in the community find their passion and navigate their career options for personal growth and future opportunities. She also creates partnerships in the community with entities to provide seamless career pathways for students. Her goal is to educate students, provide students with endless support and resources, and instill leadership in students. And with that, let's get started. Hi, Talia. Thank you so much for being with us today. We are super excited to have this opportunity to share space with you. Um, you know, before we... Um, you share a little bit about ourselves about yourself sorry I do want to say you know that we are grateful because you reached out to us wanting to archive your story with us so that's one of our questions <laughs> but before we get into that um, if you can share with us maybe um, your age your home country um, how old were you when you arrived to the U.S. and if you have an undocumented status yeah absolutely good morning to you and uh, I've First of all, I do want to thank you both for creating this space to tell stories, but also it's play, uh, really a place to heal. Uh, my story is a form of healing for myself. So I, whenever the opportunity is given to tell your story, like I'm like for it, right? Um, so let's see, I'm 33. My hometown is in Ensenada. I was born in Ensenada, Baja California. Um, and I came to the U.S. when I was about three years old. Uh, my mother um, had left a very abusive relationship with my father. So she sought the opportunity to come to the U.S. since many of her family members were already in the U.S. So we came to the U.S. Um, I think we first settled in Las Vegas, um, but I came at three years old. And currently I am a, a DACA recipient. Thank you so much for that. Yeah. Um, and, you know, like I said, one, one of our questions is um, like, you know, what made you want to archive your story with us? Absolutely. No, yeah, I mean, 
as I share, I'm a DACA recipient. I'm a mother of two. I'm a wife. I'm a daughter. I'm a sister. Um, I'm a colleague. I'm an educator. I do teach. I, I feel like I'm also a content creator. I'm an innovator. I'm an event planner. I feel like our stories come from a variety of things that we do. Um, my specific, uh, my, I like again. This is a, a space to heal, and I feel like I have a, so much to offer within my within my whole entire life, but also my experience to really help me continue to validate of what I experienced was what I actually did for myself and for my friends or my family. But I just feel like a lot of us who have this, these, you know, these stories of, you know, being undocumented, it's really difficult sometimes to talk about them because there's just so much like trauma, right, in them. Um, but I feel like as I share, this is a really great space for me to heal and continue to tell my story, but also hoping that others can also hear it and inspire them and motivate them to continue their their specific um like their healing process as well yes yes we are definitely hoping that others are able to hear your story also heal in the process relate to maybe some of your experiences um, maybe know some of the ways where you were able to overcome maybe some challenges and maybe share some of your joys um i hear that you are a mother um i know it's, I, I guess it's, it, there's so many layers and so many identities that you just heard with us, a mother, a daughter, a teacher, a content creator. Um, how about we start with one of them? And before going into motherhood, I guess I want to hear, um, and I'm sure others want to hear, how was your experience for you coming here at the age of three, um, finding out that you had additional limitations or additional challenges that you had to overcome um, when did you find out or how did you find out that you had an undocumented status yeah so um i found out i was undocumented um in the 11th grade my junior year in my high school when all of the students were kind of practicing to apply to colleges i was in my avid class and so you know i went through the application and you know it asked me the question if i if i had a social security number and i didn't really know what that meant so i asked my mother and my mother's like, you don't have one. And like, I was just like really angry, like what angry to ask her, like, what do you mean I don't have one? She's like, you just don't have one. And I didn't really understand that to like later the fact what it really meant to have one. Um, so then my senior year came around and, you know, all of my peers were applying for colleges and I knew I had the grades. I, I wasn't top student, but I, you know, I got a math award in high school. Like I always worked my butt off. Um, and the fact that I wasn't able to have the same opportunities that my other peers, that just really, um, it was really traumatic because I feel like I worked so hard to be where I'm at. Um, thankfully, I had college counselors who were really supporting, supportive. Um, and actually, one of them uh, assisted me with uh, gaining a scholarship to pay, for my, uh, to pay for my first semester at a community college. But as I share, like a lot of my peers were going to these universities. Um, and I mean, now I'm thankful I didn't go to one because I, I one, you have the money too. I didn't want to be in debt like most of them may be or may, oh, who knows, but you know, a lot, of, I, uh, a lot of students that I counsel who are coming from a UC or Cal State back to community college, they're like 19 years old with $20,000 in debt, you know? So I'm just thankful that I didn't go through that process, but I also felt like I could have maybe possibly got a full, full ride. I don't know. I just felt there was more opportunities for me that I could have received if I had a social security number. Yeah, definitely so many I don't want to say so many, but there are some blessings in disguise when we experience some 
some barriers when we have experienced or faced those additional challenges where, for example, if we really wanted to go to that school, like for example, I got accepted to UCLA back in the day. Um, if I really were, you know, the type of student that is like, no, this is this is the only way. This is the only way that I can achieve that goal by going to one of those top universities. I would probably be very much in debt, like a lot of other students, a lot of other colleagues that went that route, where society really looks down on community colleges or those that attend community colleges thinking that going to community college is not as um, challenging or the, the quality of the education in community college is not great. Um, but what was your experience in community college? Yeah, I mean, once I found out that I was undocumented, I really use it to my advantage. And that's why I still do as of now, like everywhere that I go, I use it. I, it's, I use it as like a catalyst to like propel in my life. Um, so um, the first couple, like the first year or so, I was just trying to discover, you know, college, like most, most students are. And then I started to um, talk more about my, my identity to my instructors, to my counselor. And from there, I had the opportunity with other peers, create the first undocumented um, like club at the campus. I went to uh, Pasadena City College. Um, and at that time, it was 2006 or so. And the climate was a little still, you know, out there with uh, immigration. The sad part, I feel like uh, that administration at the time didn't really know how to serve us. Um, there wasn't much knowledge of how to serve us as undocumented. So we had the opportunity to teach really them who we were. We had like a little small seminar presentation for them to really like, this is who we are, this is what we do, we need the service. Um, so it was more of like advocating for myself, advocating for the students and for future students to come. I always remember like when we first created the club, we had a name, our first club name was students without borders. And I remember one time I attended a UCLA ideas, like their conference and like, that's not a good name. We we're like, this is, this is who we are. Like, I think it was it with borders without a member. And so then we changed it to students for equality and education. So that was like our next name. But I felt like we were always trying to rediscover who we were, find out what the resources were because there wasn't really much out there. And I feel like a lot of my leaderships, my leadership skills came from really advocating for, you know, for us because we just didn't have like the service. But I mean, I, I truly enjoy my college careers. I mean, my college time just because I met so many amazing individuals. One of the things that you're mentioning is like going to into this space where there's other undocumented folks and people that, you know, are you can say supposed to be supportive of you, but then you come in and it's like, oh, well, that's not a good name, right? Um, what advice would you have for educators or other undocumented folks who are within, you know, that educational space uh, where they come in and tell people like, that's not a good name, or you shouldn't be, you shouldn't be naming yourself this, or rather than giving the students the power to decide and later on transition on to, um, a, you know, a quote unquote better name, because a lot of times I feel like we have to understand that the coming out process takes time and students are going to select names that are comfortable to them at that time. But then they are also selecting names that honor the work that has been done before them. Um, you know, so it's with with time that change, that name change is going to come. And I think the same goes with like the different identities. Right. So like when students come into community 
colleges or just colleges in general. And they're like, oh, I'm an AB 540 student because that's what we learned in high school, like at least here in California. And then you get an educator or someone else telling them like, oh, you're not AB, you shouldn't be calling yourself AB 540. You're undocumented or you're a dreamer. And it's like, you don't tell me what to identify with. Like, that's my own process and let me be, right? So what advice would you have for, for folks, you know, or maybe some of the, the feelings that you were going through when they told you like, oh, that's not a good name for your club? Yeah, I always bring it down to like purpose. You know, what is the purpose of, identifying what is the purpose of you telling others who you are. Um, I think for us, the purpose of our name at the beginning was to let others know that we were students and we didn't want to have any boundaries. We wanted to make sure that we had opportunities like everybody else. We were trying to really make something that was kind of really impossible at that time because there wasn't enough resources, but we also, and we didn't make our name political at all. And that it was identified as political when we, you know, we announced our name, but it wasn't, it was more like, we have boundaries or we want to be with have students. We want to be, be students without any boundaries. Um, when we did change our name, um, we had to, we did it because it was advice, but it wasn't our choice. We just had to do it because we didn't want to like upset others or feel like our group was like not supporting. I remember one day we had like a rush. I think it was like club rush. And we like wrote on like with chalk on like on the, on the floor, like AB 540, like a process and like administration didn't like that. And they came in and like wet, like all of our artwork. And that thought, we thought also that was very disappointing because we didn't have our voice. Uh, we Like we just didn't, didn't allow our voice to be like heard. And we knew like, there's a problem here. Like this is not, they can't just uh, like, just like hush us. They really need to help us. Um, we did get other students to support us as well. And many of the, our club members were also um, either residents or they were like citizens or were advocates for us. But um, it was just hard for us to make others, under, others understand like exactly what help that we needed. And we really, we really wanted, we, was at, we wanted access to scholarships, access to work study, access to just some type of experience to really help us validate our specific career goal, but also access to scholarships in general because um, as an undocumented student, um, we just didn't have the resources, like the funds, um, and we did have to work, most of us, but it will be best if, you know, the school will, will provide us with that, you know, that support, but they didn't. I feel it like deep in my soul because this is something that you're talking about back in 2006. It's 2022 and a lot of students are still in many, many institutions in many different ways, still facing a lot of these same challenges with the staff or the people in the institutions really not backing them up, really not supporting them, um, or even not only not supporting them, but really um, harming them still after so many years. What advice would you give to those that are fighting and a lot of, especially to those that feel that they're not doing enough? Like sometimes they feel like being an advocate is being out on the streets and protesting or changing policies or changing laws or doing like, in their words, doing big things. And they feel like maybe writing 540 with talk or being a part of the club or, you know, doing those, those things is not enough, but really 
in my opinion, it's, it creates a huge changes, at least um, in the micro level, knowing that other people are seeing that talk, knowing that, you know, people are going to be inspired by those stories and things are going to change later. I know a lot of people back in the day were fighting for that. And it wasn't until 2012 when that got passed and we know it's not enough, uh, but we're hoping to, to continue to create change. Um, so yeah, what's your advice for those that are still in the, in the thought that they're still thinking, I'm not doing enough, this is not enough, or I'm gonna get in trouble, I shouldn't be doing this. Yeah, I feel that a lot of time we need to find a support system. Um, a support group. Um, yeah, I, I've met several students who, as you said, feel like they were not doing enough. I mean, I myself sometimes only feel like I'm doing enough for myself or for my own my own students because there's just so much out there that I don't want to give students the wrong information. I think what I can do the best is providing what resources and connect them and network. I think one of the biggest things with um, learning more about yourself and learning what's out there is networking. I'm really big with networking. Like if a student can attend a conference, if they can join a club, if they can even um, seek some support from a mentor that has experience with undocumented students, um, that would be my best advice for them. Um, and I know a lot of them are still, you know, they're still such a scary process to come out, but I feel at, at times we need to be able to be confident, comfortable to come out in order to like, propel. Like we can't do it alone. And I, I, I didn't get to where I'm at by myself. I had so many people that helped me, um, but it was because I needed to make myself comfortable and tell others about my story in order for, for me to get that support. And I, I mean, I, ever since I had interviewed, every time that I had interviewed for a position, that was the first thing I said, look, I'm undocumented. How are you going to support me? What, where, how are you going to help me? Um, and, you know, I'm here to support the students as much as I can. I am an ally, but how are you going to help me you know, secure my position and making sure that, you know, I'm not, and it's just in general, it's just providing me that support that I am undocumented. So many questions when it comes to now being on the other side, you were that student um, that needed that support from staff members, from counselors. Now you're a counselor, you're a teacher. How is life different being, or similar, I guess, being on the other side? Has that really made a change within yourself and within institutions to support students? Or do you still face challenges from people in uh, other positions that really put barriers um, between you and being able to advocate for students? Yeah, I, I because I'm very vocal of who I am and what I do, I feel like I get, I get a lot of support. Um, but I also make sure that I identify, you know, these are the students that also need that additional, you know, assistance. Um, you know, when I started teaching, the first, the first thing I said, like, I am undocumented, like, all my students knew right away from the first day they met me, like, this is who I am, these are like fun facts about me, number one, I'm undocumented. Um, and I do teach in a population where I'm not going to say that parents are undocumented, but may be undocumented. So I feel like as, as soon as I say that, I can make, I make a connection with students. Um, and I mean, I, the first thing you want to make sure that the students trust you, right? Or individuals trust you. I had a parent meeting as well. First thing I said, I'm undocumented again, because I want to make sure I built that connection, but also, uh, continue to, you know, be confident that my story, you know, is going to be heard, but also that, 
Um, there's so much more that I can provide than just my educational experience. I can provide resources. I can connect them to X, Y, and Z. But I will say in regards to administration, the, I currently have three positions. And from the three positions, I feel there's a lot of support. And I wonder it's because of who I'm with, like the people that I surround myself with that provide that support. Um, in regards to the, like there's one institution that has a really great advocacy group, like an undocumented adv advocate committee. And they have meetings every other one, every other Thursday or so. And it's because of these committees that I feel comfortable and supported by my staff, but also that they're trying to change and do things for the students. So I do want to take this back a little bit to you mentioning, you know, in your interviews, like I'm undocumented. What are you going to do to support me? There's a lot of um, undocumented educators in higher education. And a lot of times they're not properly supported or properly compensated or you know we can go the the whole list of you know the the lack of support for undocumented educators but you being so vocal has gotten you that um support you can say or the support that you need right in order for you to say yes I accept this position what has made you or what has given you that comfort or that level of like, you know what, fuck it. Like, I'm going to say I'm undocumented during my interview and I need them to know so that they know what they're going into what, with hiring me, but also I know personally what I'm going into. So what would you tell other undocumented educators who might be a little afraid to out themselves? Um, because like I say, it's, it's a whole ass process, right? As students, we're like, I'm undocumented, I'm afraid, but when we go into this educational world, it's now, it's like, let me keep it on the low. I'm only gonna tell my students because you don't know what's gonna happen to my job. You don't know what's, you know, and it, again, it's a whole ass list of, of things that, you know, we can bring on for undocumented educators. But um, I, I I would like to know, you know, as someone who works closely with the other undocumented educators. Yeah, I mean, I feel that it's a process that you shared and we're all we all have to feel comfortable in telling our story. Um, I mean, an undocumented professional does not have to say that they're undocumented. I just use it as an advantage. Like I'm using, I'm using it for the system. I'm using it for an advantage so I can get further on. Um, and some, some educators may not want that and it's perfectly fine and they don't have to share, but I feel like at some point we need support from our peers and our colleagues. And if, you know, somebody asks, oh, you know, have you been to out of the state, out of the US and let them be aware that those are the type of questions you don't ask me because I've never gone out. So I feel like if we're able to share, you know, our story with our colleagues in a way that they're also, um, they're aware of what questions to ask. I, I mean, I also do it in that same way too. So people can know, like, don't ask me the questions that I'm not gonna be able to answer because I just don't, I can't do them. Um, but for educator, again, it's really their process. I'm not gonna say, go ahead and do it. It's, I, uh, it's whenever they want to, but I feel like it's an advantage if you're able to share with others who you are, what you know, what, you know, what barriers you have yourself and your story. Yes, I'm like, damn. <laughs> no, yeah, and some questions are really painful. Like, imagine you're from Ensenada, right? And somebody asks you, like, oh, what are you, you know, some people are having a conversation. What are, one asks, what do you do for self care? And the other person is like, oh, I go to Ensenada on the weekends. And he's like, ouch. Like, you know, like, I wish that's my hometown, that's my place. And I can't. And it's not really that far away. And 
at the same time, it is so far away for me. And yeah, we really need to keep in mind. And I appreciate you for, for sharing your wisdom with us and really encouraging others to disclose certain information that might be helpful and empowering for themselves as well. Um, and, and naming a lot of things. I think it's important to really name them and really say like, hey, like, don't ask me like if I've traveled outside of the US, like I've never even thought about that, you know, um, it's a lot of uh, privilege that a lot of our allies have. And sometimes we don't even take that into how can we just like kind of brush it off like, oh, yeah, like I have to like constantly have to out myself like, oh, yeah, I don't travel or, you know, I, I can't do X, Y and Z. Um, one of the things that you do mention, um, Dalia, you know, you do bring up the community college a lot. And one of the things that has been on my mind lately is the funding that a lot of community colleges uh, have received through the state, right? And I feel like you you might be a perfect person to, <laughs> to ask about this, but what do you know about that? What can you tell us about that? And what have you seen community colleges, colleges do or not do with uh, that funding that they have received. I was waiting for this cheese man to come out. Yes, <laughs> oh I didn't, I didn't, I didn't even know. I don't know about oh. it. Like, <laughs> I've been waiting for someone to bring up the community yeah. college yeah. system so that I can be like, there's funding, what's happening? Because like I graduated and I'm going to put them out there. Sorry, but Chafee College, I graduated from Chafee College. My dream has always been to work for Chafee College, and I've always been like, hire me. I'll be your person to, you know, serve undocumented students because I was one of the first people that started a club there. I was one of the first, like, you know, we did like a silent um, protest back in my days um, because they had actually shut off the club. Um, we, for some political reasons, they had actually shut off the club. I wasn't part of it when they were shut off because that's when I kind of distanced myself from those allies who were part of the club. Um, and I was like, I don't want to do nothing with them because they're very toxic, right? So we did a silent protest to bring the club back. But then after that, it was like, oh, I graduate next month. I don't know what's going to happen. And since then, like I've been trying to stay in touch here and there. And when I do attend events, I make sure to put it on the chat, like hire me, right? Because when I'm at events, I'm giving them information and I'm like, I shouldn't, like I'm not being paid to give them information. I mean, I do it because students are there, but it's also like, okay, I know how much money each community college campus received because that's public information. So like Chafee, what are you doing with that money? Uh, Riverside Community College, what are you doing with that money? Crafting Community College, what are you doing with those dollars, right? Because I'm, I, I work at a community college, I'm going to name it. I work um, in LA County. It's like, why, <laughs> why is my talent not being used in my hometown, right? Um, so I'm just going to name it, but Dalia, what chisme can you tell us from that? We all have different kinds of chisme. So right now we heard from Maria, now Dalia. Um, and let's see if anything else comes up. Because, yeah, I've also had some challenges with some community colleges not being able to pay undocumented folks for the services that they're providing, um, saying we don't have the funds, can you do it for free? You know, like... Yeah, like I wish, I wish I could do things for free, but knowing that 
you're serving undocumented students, you should be paying undocumented individuals. But that has been a bit of a challenge for Maven. And, and, and when I share that public information, I'm like, I'm so sorry. I don't mean to, to be rude or anything, but here's a list of how much money your campus received and you're gonna be able to spend it until next year. And you're telling me that you don't have any funds to pay me a couple hundred dollars for a speaking engagement? Like, yeah, what are y'all doing? Um, yeah, is somebody withholding information and you're doing outreach uh, for volunteers, not knowing that, you're, that your center received some funds? But yeah, it's, it's a little frustrating. <laughs> what, what's your story, Delia? Well, the chase me is that they, as you share, Maria, they have a lot of money. And one of my colleagues, she's like, there's a whole bunch of money. I'm like, where is it? I'm like, I don't know. But I feel that a lot of money is being spent on guided pathways, which is this big old thing that was created to help students identify where they, they should be in college in two years and identify what they have to do within the next two years, or they must be declared major by the first year or else FAFSA is going to get cut off. Like, Community college was created in, for many different ways, but for me, it was created for help students identify what they want to do, depending how long it, it shouldn't, there shouldn't be a time limit to education, right? We all have different, uh, we acquire skills in a different time, different setting, and I don't think a student should be given two years to complete whatever they need to complete, what's a, you know, a um, certificate or possibly a degree to transfer or whatnot. Um, I think a lot of money is being spent on helping students like not helping, but hindering them to finish in two years with this guided pathways. But in reality, students need more than a year to really identify what they want to do. I have students coming to, like, telling me, oh, I want to do this. And I ask those questions, why? What's your purpose? And a lot of them say, oh, my parents want me to do this all because of my family. And, and I redirect that, you know, that thought. I'm like, what do you want to do? What, what pleases you? What is your purpose? What makes you happy? And it's completely different from what they, you know, they originally came in. And so a lot of students come in with the, in the college, you know, already what something set in mind and they realize after their first year, like, this is not what I want to do. So again, this, I, I'm thinking, I'm guessing again, this funding must come to these, these like timelines, these maps, like the structure, systematic structure that has been created for them um i think that's where most of the money is coming is going to i mean and i'm sure you uh, maybe Marde, you'll heard that she's made about the lawsuit that lawsuit they're having too because a lot of some um there's a lawsuit i'm trying to remember what college it was community college is suing i mean it's individuals are suing community college because a lot of the time they didn't get, get paid you know for doing certain things out of their work and i think one of them mm -hmm. is a counselor as well um you know answering emails or just doing work I mean, I have, I, I do counseling eight hours, but, and if I have to meet a student back to back to back, where is my time to case manage? Where is my time to debrief with each student, right? To uh, provide the effective plan for next time we meet or to write notes. So by the time I meet with them, they're ready for me to you know share what's the next thing. Um, they should be giving more funding for those who are creating opportunities for students, but also for those who are guiding them like the counselors <laughs> and, and not even that everybody you know but i think there needs to be more funding for resources every community college or college should have a center where they can come in for the resource depending on what status they have or what background they have um there needs to be centers 
where you can go in and your staff member looks just like you or may have the same like status as you because then you feel more comfortable you feel more at home i mean a community college should be made created for you for a place for you to find a sense of belonging and i think a lot of times we don't do that we don't find that because they don't understand us they don't create spaces for us to be understood um, i feel like that's where the money should 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 be but i don't know i mean i <laughs> there's a lot of money i heard i mean beth um bezo's wife gave chafee college so much money too and i have no idea where it's either either going other than there's a lot of construction going on they're um, creating a new campus on by the 10 freeway in fontana and they create another campus on ontario so maria that may be some opportunities for you i'm sure we can, they're going to need counselors um but i know they're they're chafee college is using some funding to expand I'm like, no, but see, I don't want to be a counselor. That's my thing because on the paperwork, not for me, um, but more for their undocumented student services or services for undocumented students. That's my passion. I don't think that, you know, I've done, I've done a lot of soul searching and I think that's my calling and that's where I want to stay for, you know, until I, I am able to retire and that's even crazy to say, right? As undocumented people thinking about retirement, like, oh, we can do that. Some of us can do that. Oh, cool. Um, but so the community colleges actually allocated a different funding sources. So it's my understanding that guided pathways should have its own funding, but there's um, its own funding for undocumented liaisons or centers that money cannot be used for other things or they are quote unquote misusing those funds right so um they the the community colleges have the opportunity because it's a law by law they have to have uh uh what is it called a liaison an undocumented liaison so it's like just you know where where is that? And I think, you know, you you raise a lot of things that I, I think are important. So what are some, um, I guess you can say some, some advice for some of the community colleges task force, because you mentioned like one task force, for them to be aware of this funding or for them to advocate for this funding to be used um, in proper ways. Mm, I mean, there's so many channels to go through, right? <laughs> when it comes to um, requesting how funding's how funding should be allocated. Um, and I feel it, it, institutional av like advocates of undocumented students, I feel are the only ones that can really bring this up because I'm sure community college has a whole, a whole list of like fundings, but I unfortunately undocumented students, I feel like they're always at the bottom. And I feel because there's not, there's not enough I, knowledge how to serve these students, right? There is, I really wish that every college had a wide training of undocumented students. Like one day where everybody who works at the college gets a training like this. And that's where the money should be because if you are, if you teach somebody something, whatever it is, hopefully they will be able to utilize that resource for students, but not even that, but also seek or understand how can we support these students. Um, yeah, I think a lot of times it has to do with the people up, you know, up there, you know, like you really have to make sure that they understand like what, you know, what, how we should be using these resources. I have not seen a, 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 a liaison at Chafee. I, I remember when, when I, when they created their, um, their center, um, I forget the name, but a cultural center, I asked myself, where is like the undocumented liaison? And I, I, I don't even know if they've ever hired one. 
Um, but that was my first thing because I want to make sure students are being served, but not just undocumented, but every, you know, every other population. I know we're very, we're, we, we are biased because of who we are, right? Because, you know, the resources that we have, we want to make sure they have them as well. Um, but I asked myself the same question, like, where are these other resources for students? I, I mean, uh, the undocumented, uh, the club at the campus, they have to like fundraise for their own events. Why can't just the college yes. give them money? Yes. Give them the yes. money to do a conference. Like, why do they have to fundraise on their own? Just mm -hmm. allocate a certain, the student government, what, I think that's what it's called. They, need, should, they should be getting money to these clubs to do these things for themselves. And we shouldn't have to be like fundraising, you know, like, why? I, I Some never colleges that. do allow for the student clubs to request this money, but Talia, I think we need to bring you for like season two um, know, you know, to have a conversation. Yes. Yeah. <laughs> but like to talk also with uh, Mo Moises, who we had previously in another episode, because I know he was fundamental in the establishment of the Social Justice Center at Chafee. And I think it would be a, a nice conversation for all of us to have, you know, and see what that looks like. Um, I, I do have a question that I, I want to ask uh, before we move on from all these uh, systemic educational issues and and it's for you, Talia. How, how do you feel about it with the surge of undocumented folks in social media or becoming kind of like famous or you know if you say a name everybody in the undocumented community knows who that person is and I mean I, I recognize that it's important to highlight all of the things that they worked for and you know all the changes that they've they have helped to create uh, but then there's other, there's so many people here. We have you that also has done so much for other undocumented folks, both students, parents, and the community for many years. Um, and you may not have the recognition or the spot, I guess, that other people have. Um, do you ever think about that? Does it bring any feelings? Do you feel like, shit, I've done this for so long and I've done so much and like no one comes here and say like they, let's invite Dalia for one of those conferences or stuff like that just because um I don't know the way I I don't know I don't know it, I guess the question is one um does it make a difference the, the things in the way that you do things are you happy with the way you do things um, or do you ever think about, you know, I should have the recognition that other people have because I've done a lot of stuff too. Um, or do you go like, oh, no, it's, it's fine. I know I'm doing my thing. I know I'm making an impact in the way that I want to do it. And it's in my control. And this is how I feel happy. Yeah, I mean, the first thing I do want to say, I, I'm all about celebrating all these individuals who are coming out, like both of you, you know, like both of you, I, I met Maria um, at Casa Sabaradino. Um, I have no idea. Oh, I think I was invited to one of the conferences, I believe. But I mean, when I saw you, Maria, I'm like, dang, you're, you're pretty badass. Like, how can I be more like you? Or how can I connect myself to be like you? So uh, with me, whenever I or see myself with, I mean, I see other undocumented folks, like even yourself, Myra, it's like, what can I do to help you to get even to a higher level? Like, what can, what can I do to support you? Can does it mean that can I, whatever it is, you know, like, what can I do to provide you some support? I feel, I'm so happy for these individuals who were able to 
um, gain um, access to free free speech, right? Um, although there is always, you know, that fear, you know, I know with uh, Shade, with the doctor professionals, like she said a couple of times, you know, she's out there giving herself to the world and there's people still who are like, you know, giving uh, very um um, comments are so like unfortunate, right? Or so disrespectful. Uh, so, I mean, that's, there's always that when it comes to being out there and, you know, letting others into your life. But I feel I, I for me, like I, I celebrate others who are out there and have all these followers and are super comfortable because that's, I feel that's their way of healing. Right. Cause I think we're all in a, we're all in a, we're all healing in some sort of way, shape. We're not like, you know, perfect you know I, feel, I just feel like we're all healing together and I feel like I found a community where I can heal with whether I mean there's so much power in healing and if we do it with others you don't feel alone right you're doing it with other individuals and they validate your experience and um, you have a connection so I mean I'm proud for all of you to be both of you and everybody else who's out there you know um, sharing their story because I just feel like it's just it's so impactful for so many individuals I mean, who are in the shadows and they see what you're doing. Like, like, I didn't even know, like, I think I had met, I had met an individual who, who had asked like, how did I become a therapist? And I'm like, oh, Myra, I just thought of you. Like you can probably, I can probably connect you with that individual. And I'm all about building connection and networking. So if I'm able to find, I mean, that's my purpose. I feel like to find connections for others, um, their, their outlook of their life, I feel it will be a lot more, more brighter. Than being in the shadows. I love, love it so much. You know, I, I want to emphasize that really everybody has a different path and everybody makes an impact in your life and in other people's lives in many different ways. Um, just know that some of us are out there because life has been pushing us out there um, and it doesn't feel like a choice to be sharing so many um, vulnerable things about ourselves or disclosing our status in different settings. Uh, sometimes it's just a way to survive and it's really unfortunate, but know that whether you want to disclose your new status, whether you want to really be out there in social media and put yourself in that, um, I guess, situation, that is completely okay. And it's also completely okay. And it's freaking awesome to to advocate for the community in different ways to to do like many of the things that Dalia is doing and I appreciate you for that Dalia. Yes thank you thank you so much. Dalia as we are getting closer to an end um, you know what is one piece of advice that you would give your 11th grade self? Good question. Um, push forward. Um, advocate for yourself, um, make connections, ask questions, as many questions as you can, because I feel like if we don't ask the questions that we may not get the answers of what we need. Um, yeah, I mean, and don't give up. I don't feel like I ever gave up in my life. I feel like I, I pushed myself so much and just to do what I wanted to do. Um, whether I found again, resources or seek out for help. Um, I, I mean, I, I feel like everything I've done in my life, it has been so I do everything in my life in a very um, purposeful way. Um, there's a purpose of me doing certain things. I have a lot of um, I have habits that I practice all the time. Um, and everything I do is very strategic. There's, there wouldn't be anything I do in my life that it's not for a purpose. 
I want to make sure that every event that I do or everything that I that I put in forward in my life, it has to have a purpose. Um, I just feel like I've always done that in my life. And thankfully, things have gone the great because of what I do. I mean, I felt like with my career, like I found my last job, thankfully. Um, I I'm very passionate in helping students. I mean, helping students, you know, with their destination. Um, I mean, I I what did Jay-Z say um, in regards to like going out there and seeking help? It's a closed mouth where it does not get fed. I think Jay-Z said that. Yeah, it's like you you need to go out there and like open your mouth and really like ask for help. And, and that's what I, I would tell my 11th grade like, self, like ask for help because you we cannot do this by ourselves. And I, I know that at the very, very beginning of this conversation, I wanted to touch on motherhood um how has that impacted your life yeah I know. has that changed your life and I know that the way you're advocating for your community I'm sure you're fiercely advocating and supporting your children um how how is that in your life how has that impacted your life or molded it or in, how do you are you teaching your children to walk with the purpose or live their life with the purpose I mean, right now, my, 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 I think my kids are a little too young to really understand, but with my daughter, Julia, um, I make sure that if she does something like why she do it, like, what's the purpose of you doing this, but also allow her to be, you know, a, a kid, you know, like when I became a mother, fortunately, nothing changed, but I'm at the point where I need to do, do some changes. Um, my, um, my passion for what I do, like my career has always been number one. I don't know if it's a good thing or a bad thing. Um, my, my children, yes, are top, but I feel like if I don't have a career or a job, then I can't provide for my children, right? So th the one thing I want to make sure that Julie understand is that that to work hard, <laughs> I guess work hard to be where you're at and not to, I'm like, I'm not, my goal is not to provide, give my kid like easy way out to certain things. I want her to learn the, like the steps to get to a certain place, um, like, to read a manual, to read the instructions of how to build X, Y, and Z rather than YouTubing it. That should be like the second step. If you can't get from like from point one, from step one to point five, like read it and then go through it after. Um, like I said, I, my, it hasn't changed fortunately, but it, it, it's going to change more, giving them more of the time of me. Um, I feel like I said, I feel like I work so hard that like I, if, if I give my career, I feel like I'm giving away part of my identity because I work so hard to be where I'm at. You know, I, I just, I didn't get to where I'm at again by myself, but I work so hard on myself to be able to be where I'm at. Um, I mean, right now I hold three positions. Um, I work two community colleges and I work for the uh, for an organization through a funding source to the county. Um, unfortunately, I have to let go of one of them. Um, and, I, and I have to because I need time for my family, but also at the same time, um, the funding for that specific organization, they're not gonna, no longer going to, you know, one, they're no longer going to get refunded. Um, and I'm sad for that, but at the same time, it's like, I find myself like texting students on the weekends. I'm like, and I'm thinking to myself, what am I doing? Um, one of the things I am going to change as soon as I uh, leave that position is I'm going to remove all my emails from my phone, my more work emails from my personal phone. I have to do that because I find myself like emailing students and like on the weekends and like, or texting them. And like, I shouldn't be doing that. But I was like, if I were a student asking for questions and seeking help, like I want the answer now. So that's why I feel for it. I feel for my students. Mm -hmm. uh, what is like, what is equivalent to this? I'm like, let me check it out for you. 
I just, I wanna make sure that I'm able to provide again, my students with support. And as, as a mom, it's, I haven't had difficulty in, I guess a little bit difficulty in like very like having those border lines, but I'm getting better at it. Um, but I know exactly like if I'm going to be a mom, like, okay, I'm going to be a mom. As soon as my student texts me, okay, I'm going to be a, uh, I'm going to be a counselor for one minute. And and we'll switch. <laughs> and I'll switch. So I'm really good at that. Like I, I'm, I feel like I'm really good at switching my roles and like, I know exactly where to, but I mean, if I know that I shouldn't be responding, then I don't, I do cross. I do say, you know, I'm not going to, I'm not going to do it because I just don't have the resources to give her the answers, <laughs> you know? So, um, yeah. You also mentioned content creation. Um, how is it that you're integrating the content creation in your life? Well, I do a lot of content creation for my positions. <laughs> uh, all of them, all of them. I do it uh, and everything's for the students. So I do a lot of content creation for whether it's uh, posting, um, creating how-to videos for videos at the colleges, mm-hmm. uh, whether it is um, posting on the organization that I work for, uh, like creating their, I, I create their, um, didn't create, but I, I oversee their, their website, updating the website. Mm-hmm. So I mean, I'm creating content yeah. for other people and for students so they can better understand, you know, you know, how to do X, Y, and Z or, or how to seek resources. So that's the content creation. I don't do the content creation for myself. <laughs> that's awesome. But still, it takes so much time and so much effort yeah. into, you know, doing that. So really, I, that is really awesome. And I'm hoping that in the future, if something were to happen and you were on your own, like I'm, I'm glad that you would be able to put everything together, still continue to put everything together. And here's the thing that I'm saying about people um, having a name or whatever in the, in the community because we create content. And it's like, there's people out there creating content, but unfortunately, it's a part of their job at different institutions. So they didn't say, oh, here's this person or, you know, with the name, Dalia. And Garibay creating these resources, these guides, these visuals. It's like this center or this institution is putting this content out there. But really there's human beings behind that content, human beings that really spend, that put their passion and labor into creating those those, um, resources for you. And I know we're at time, I don't want to um, take more time, especially because Dalia probably has <laughs> meetings with the students. Um, but really quickly, Maria, if you want to do your thing with the this and that to say goodbye to, <laughs> to Dalia. But before we do that, Dalia, where can people find you? Um, How can people connect with you if they want to bring you on? To to pay you up. Yes, Yes. because Um, we know we brought you and you have a lot of um, amazing things to share, especially when it comes to graduate school. So anybody out there hosting graduate school conference conferences, um, here's Talia for you all. So where can people find you? uh, So on Instagram, um, um, my name is uh, Miss underscore Garibay. Another great resource is... um, uh, LinkedIn, LinkedIn. I mean, on LinkedIn, I forget I'm on LinkedIn, but I'm on LinkedIn. So you can find me also on LinkedIn. Um, if you want to just send me a DM to collaborate. Um, yeah, we can. Thank you. I'll go ahead and link those on our um, description, but to end on a lighter note, um, we're going to ask you our this or that questions. So coffee or tea? Uh, coffee. Do you believe in love at first sight? No, I think we got to work on it really hard. <laughs> Do you believe in aliens? 
I do, but like, 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 uh, or the Universal Studios type of aliens, like the ones they create for us. <laughs> <so we can. laughs> uh, white concha is better than brown concha. You know, well, I'm not gonna conchas. I'm oh, not gonna okay. But I want to try some matcha conchas. I've seen those online. Oh, those are bomb. Okay. <laughs> Novelas or chisme shows? Chisme shows. I'm really into like when sometimes I'm just get bored. I like to watch um, Acapulco Shore. <laughs> I don't know if you've heard of it. It's hilarious. Okay, so I watch that sometimes. <laughs> so reality show is fun. Nice. Rose or sunflower? Uh, sunflower. Ah, uh, sci-fi or romance? sci-fi flirting is cheating depends on the purpose okay eating out <laughs> or frijoles in la casa it's like if it like if you're flirting to get like a free dinner then that's different you know it's all about purpose eating out or frijoles in la casa no frijoles in la casa are good all right thank you so much Talia for taking the time to being with us today and sharing all that amazing all those amazing things that you shared with us uh, and we will link your information in the bio again if people want to um, bring you on to speak for any any conferences that they host but yes, my recommendation is the grad school ones but yes. Thank you so much, Salia. We do appreciate your knowledge. We appreciate your time and your vulnerability. And I hope we, we can see you here back again. Yes. Is I there anything that we didn't mention that you wanted to share with others that you wanted to highlight or anything that you wanted to let people know? No, I mean, I love you both for creating this space thank to archive you. stories. I mean, I love telling my story. I love presenting. I love, you know, just how... I just love discussing the resources too and how we can help others. Um, I mean, I love socializing. Um, never done, and then one thing with when it comes to like my biggest thing is networking. Never, I think network is networking is always always overseen. And right now we're networking. That's exactly what we're doing, just organically, right? And I'm hoping that individuals can see that that you know have the opportunity to network with others so they can propel in their life or just seek out any resources. Thank you all so much for tuning in to episode 13 of Undocu Chisme. We, once again, we are super excited for the opportunity to have shared space with Talia Garibay. You know, um, before we end, we also want to remind you to please leave us a comment, a review, um, a rating on Spotify, Apple Podcasts, or any other platform that you listen to. Also, don't forget to use code UNDOCUCHISME uh, for, to receive a discount with Adelita Saperl as well as with losdelpandulce.com, aka um, Alebrijes Bakery, uh, which we are hoping they will have their grand opening soon. And then we will let you all know on that chisme and how it goes. Um, but to close off, Myra? I usually have a quote um, in which we end the, the episode. But today I wanna to give you a very short story and it goes like this. Um, the story is called The Starfish Story and it's an original story by Lauren Isley. The story goes like this. One day a man was walking along the beach when he noticed a boy picking something up and gently throwing it into the ocean. Approaching the boy, he asked, what are you doing? And the boy replied, throwing starfish back into the ocean. The surf is up and the tide is going out. If I don't throw them back, they will die. Son, the man said, don't you realize that there are miles and miles of beach and hundreds of starfish? You can't make a difference. 
After listening politely, the boy bent down, picked up another starfish, and threw it back into the surf. Then smiling at the man, he said, well, I made a difference for that one. I want to just emphasize that sometimes we feel when we're, when we're looking at the big picture, when we're looking at the universe, at the world, we feel like we're not making a difference. But really, just by sharing your story, just by existing, you are making a huge impact in at least another person's life. With that said, I hope you are able to tune in next time. And we are looking forward to your feedback. Um, Maria, if you want to add anything else. We are getting closer to the end of season one of Undocu Chisme. So please let us know. Um, use the, you know, the link on our Instagram, which leads to our link tree. Uh, if you want to provide any feedback for us, ask us any questions as we um, begin to plan for season two. And with that, this is Undocu Chisme.